All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. Uh, it is a holiday weekend, so for you that are in the house, man, we're so glad you were here in Florence. Can we show some love and welcome everybody? Our Lawrenceburg fam, Faith Family, it's good to have you guys in the house. Our Souls Faith Family, it's good to have you guys. And we know lots of people are traveling, so we hope you're tuning in. Maybe you're a guest for the first time, either in one of our campuses or showing up online. Whoever you are, whatever you're going through, man, we want you to know that you are, we're glad that you're here. Our hope is today that you'll encounter Jesus. We said every week, come on, that we believe that Jesus sees the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, your habit, we believe if you open up your life to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision you ever made. How many people already know that's true? Come on. Well, we're going to finish up today a series we started several weeks ago entitled Class is in session. Again, it's just that season of the year as more and more students are back to class, back to school, back on college campuses. We thought it'd be a good time for us as Christ followers because that's who we are. The greatest definition of who we are as people of faith, it's not Christians, it's not believers, we are disciples, we're learners. And one of the things we find out about Jesus that we've been talking about through this series is that Jesus was a student. In fact, there are these 18 years from the time Jesus is 12 years old until he's 30 when he starts his public ministry and goes about teaching and healing. In those 18 years, we don't really know a lot of what was happening in his life, but through one verse, just one verse, we kind of can lean in and find out what he was up to. And what we find out is the things that Jesus was doing as followers of Jesus and as people of faith, we're called to do some of the same things. And here's the verse that's found in Luke chapter two, verse 52, the verse we've talked about every week. I want us to read it together at all of our campuses, Lawrenceburg, Shoals, right here in Florence. Let's read it. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. So Jesus was intentionally growing in these areas because he understood that there was a call. He understood that there was a purpose on his life. He understood that he had a mission to fulfill. And the only way he could really fulfill it to its fullest was to develop in these areas, to develop mentally, emotionally, relationally, and physically. He knew some of the things he was going to face. And so he took these 18 years to prepare himself to excel in the mission. And what we've been saying throughout this series is if Jesus grew, come on, you can grow too. If Jesus had room to grow, you got room to grow. And we've been talking about specifically how do we grow in these areas? How do you grow in wisdom? What does it look like to learn how to make smart, good decisions in life? We talked about what does it look like to, to grow in stature, to physically take care of yourself enough that, again, you don't have to have six-pack abs, but you need to be alive long enough to fulfill the mission that God has for you. You need to fulfill the mission of a parent. You need to fulfill the mission of a grandparent. You need to fulfill the mission that God's given you as a business owner. And if you're under too much stress physically and maybe not healthy, you'll never fulfill the mission that God has for you. We talked about last week, what does it look like? It was my favorite in this series. Like this idea that you can grow in favor with God. Like you can intentionally put yourself in a position that you can experience God's grace. I mean, just the thought of that, I think is pretty amazing. Today, as we end this series, I want to talk about this idea that Jesus grew in the last way. The Bible says that Jesus grew, Luke 2.52, he grew in favor with men. He grew in favor, he grew relationally with people. Jesus was intentional to build relational equity with people. Now, I don't know if you're leaning into this yet, but as I'm reading that, if anybody didn't have to do that, it was Jesus. Like, why did Jesus work so hard to build relational bridges? I mean, this is Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the King of the world. He's the Son of God. He could, if anybody had the right to have the mentality, you can take me or leave me. It was Jesus. 
If anybody could have said, if you don't like it, that's your loss. And it would have been, it was Jesus. But Jesus didn't have the mentality, you can take me or leave me. Jesus intentionally worked and built relational skills to build relational bridges. So even though he had the right, and even though he could have very much had that, that mentality, he didn't. Jesus grew. He intentionally grew in favor with people. Do you know why? Here's where I want to go today if you're taking notes. Because Jesus understood this principle. Jesus knew that favor earns influence. I want all of us to say that together. Come on, all of our campuses. What? Favor earns influence. The more you like me, the easier it is for me to lead you. Jesus understood that if I can get connected to you, then I can connect you to the things I'm connected to. And Jesus, he is the go-between, between us and our Heavenly Father. Jesus came to reconnect us to our Heavenly Father. Jesus came to introduce us to the kingdom. And he said, the only way I can connect you to what I'm connected to is to connect to you. And so Jesus built relational equity so that we can go through that process. He understood that truth is communicated best through trust. If you trust me, the more you trust me, the, know, the more you know me, the more we're connected, the more I can give you truth, the more I can connect you to my father. Now, let me just maybe give you the flip side because we all know maybe people like this. We, uh, we've moved several times in our life, obviously, and you know, we don't have the money just to leave a house empty. When we move, we sell the house. We can take that money and buy the new house. <laughs> And so one of the houses we've sold in, in the past, uh, you know, we don't, I'll, we'll sell to whoever's willing to buy it and pay the most. And uh, we had a great, one of the neighborhoods we lived in was a great neighborhood, great people. We felt like we had great relationships with most of them there and good friendships and people we could talk to. And the person who bought the house was not so much, uh, <laughs> didn't have quite the connection we had and really became uh, kind of a neighborhood I've been searching for the words to use for this message. And I still haven't found it. Like the guy that's uh, yelling at kids and kicking dogs. The guy that's calling police on people. The guy that's just cantankerous and mean-spirited and yelling at everybody. Our neighbors, our old neighbors call us and say, please move back. <laughs> we miss you desperately. And we experienced it firsthand. You know, uh, still buying packages on Amazon. Many of you who use Amazon, like we have multiple addresses. And if you're not careful to pick the right address to have it sent to or the right payment, you know, put it on the right card, you know, it can cause some issues. Well, moving, there was a couple times that we forgot to put our new address in and our package went to the old address. Or even someone sent us a package and didn't know that we moved and sent it to our previous address because we didn't know. And I'm telling you, it was like this it was really tough going to that house and getting to that package because it was a fight. It was not a good experience. It was, I mean, there was a time my wife and I was like, well, how much do we pay for that? Maybe we can just order a new one. Was, <laughs> I mean, it's just not, at some point, it's not worth it. You, you can have the $29.95 item and we'll just get a new one from Amazon. Do you know what I'm, and my point is this guy has not done anything to build relational equity in the subdivision, so much so that I would anticipate, and, and I don't mean to, to, to put this person out here, I don't know what they've gone through, I don't know why they are the way they are, and I'm sure something's happened in their life, but at the end of the day, they have no relational equity in the subdivision, and because they're not connected to the people there, they can't, he can't connect to anything he's connected to. If he found the, the, the cure to cancer, nobody in the subdivision would listen to him because they don't like him. Are y'all tracking me? But Jesus found a way, listen to this, this is so important. Jesus found a way to leverage his love with people or his love 
love for people to influence with people. The more I can get you to love me, the more I can get you connected to me, I have leverage in your life and I can lead you in truth. Are y'all hearing me? I want you to hear this. This is so important. It, it, it's this idea. God wants us to grow in favor because favor leads to influence. Favor leads to influence. And so what would it look like in all of our lives if we were intentional to grow in favor? What would it look like for us to develop the skills that God's given us to build relational equity with people we work with, with people on the job, with people in our family that we're disconnected to? God wants you to be a person that's growing in favor with people. And again, while some people don't do this so well, Jesus found a way to do this incredibly well, so much, again, that he was able to flip that leverage to people who were willing then to sell out to him. Kids gave up their lunch for Jesus. People gave up their homes for Jesus. People gave up their finances for Jesus. People gave up their careers for Jesus. People sacrificed everything to follow Jesus. And I know for us who maybe have been reading the Bible for a while, we're like, oh yeah, well, it's Jesus. Well, to them, it wasn't Jesus. It was just a guy. How did this guy from a little town called Nazareth, how did he build the momentum of people following? He did it because he leveraged favor in the influence. And what I want you to hear today as Christ followers and just as people, if we will learn to develop our favor, we can grow an influence and we can connect people to what we're connected to. And I don't know about you, but more and more people need the Jesus we know and the God we follow and the God we serve. How many people is with me? You got to grow in favor. Well, the question you have to ask is, we understand why Jesus did it. How? How did Jesus grow in favor. What did it look like for Jesus to build relational equity? Well, I put a social media post out a couple of weeks ago. And again, I appreciate some of you guys responding. And I asked this question. Here's the question. Do you have a favorite person in your life? And if you do, what makes that person your favorite? People in Lawrenceburg, people in Shoals, people here in Florence, a lot of you responded. And there really was no common denominator in who was your favorite. It was my grandparent, my parent, my spouse, my friend. But when you started leaning into why are these people your favorite? What you found is people said things like this. Who is your favorite? Well, it's, it's my boyfriend, it's my husband. But what they said is why is they said things like this. Because they support me. Because they make me laugh. Because they're there for me. Because they watch my back. And when you read all of them, you, what you find in every single answer, my post is still there, you can go back and look, every single answer had one word common denominator in all the answers. And you know what it was? Me. They make me feel comforted. They strengthen me. They got my back. They're there for me. They make me laugh. What I want you to know is this right here. Here's how you build favor. People are our favorite because, watch this, because of what they do for us and because of how they make us feel. You have a favorite in your life not because, I know you think it's just because of them ethereally. No, no, it's because of how they make you feel and because of what they do for you. When I was growing up, I had a favorite. Anybody here have a favorite grandparent? When you was growing up, I mean, if you liked them all, good for you, but I had favorites. I got a favorite kid too, and it just is who I'm talking to at the current time. I had a favorite grandpa, and I had two grandfathers growing up, both of them really good men. But at the end of the day, you know, my favorite was my favorite was my mom's dad. And as a kid, I didn't know why, but as an adult, I know why. It's because he always walked around with a pocket full of change, and he, it was just his thing, and he would always jiggle his change. 
But the good thing was he didn't just jiggle it. He was generous with it. Let's go, somebody. I know a quarter don't buy anything now, but when I was a kid, a quarter bought a whole lot. And I'm telling you, every time grandpa would come over, he'd be jiggling his change. And I would just go up to him. I don't know if I had the eyes like, give me some, but he always shared his change with me. Come on, I'm just telling you. And so it wasn't him. It's how he made me feel. He shared what he had with me. He made me feel important. He made me feel valuable. And if we will learn the incredible skill of making people feel a certain way. You can do it in business deals. You can do it in conversations. You can do it in your subdivision. You can do it on the job. But if you will lean into people, you can build favor with people. And once you have favor, you have influence. And once you have influence, you can connect them to what you're connected to. And Jesus grew in favor with men. Come on, somebody. I want you to see in a story in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, to verse 25, I wanna read this, and it's just a snapshot of a day in the life of Jesus. And what we're gonna find in this are some of the principles, and we could talk, there are more, but I just wanna outline four principles that exemplify Jesus growing in relationship with people that we can take away and apply to our own lives. Watch this, Matthew chapter four, verse 23 to 25. says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness and news about him spread as far as Syria. And people soon began bringing to him all who were sick and whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. And large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the 10 towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea and from the east of the Jordan River. So in this little snapshot in the, in the, the day of Jesus, I want you to see these four things. Number one, if you're taking notes, here's how Jesus grew in relational equity. Here's how he grew in favor with people. Number one, he made people a priority. He made people a priority. When I say that, I want you to think about this. Listen to that first verse again. Right how, right how the story started, it says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee. Everybody say traveled. So who is the person moving? It's Jesus. Jesus again, come on somebody, he is the son of God. He could have very easily shown up and established the throne in Jerusalem and said, here I am. If you wanna come learn, come to Jerusalem. If you want pray for, come to Jerusalem. If you wanna come hang out with me, come to Jerusalem. But Jesus didn't make himself the center. Come on, if anybody had the right to be the center of attention, it is certainly the son of God. But he did not make himself the center. He made people the center. He didn't make himself the priority. He made people the priority. He didn't say, you gotta come to me. What did he do? He said, I'm gonna come to you and Jesus traveled throughout the region and I'll give you one better. It's not that just Jesus traveled throughout the region. Jesus traveled from heaven to earth. That's what, that's what the incarnation, come on somebody, that's what God becoming flesh looks like is he loved you so much and he cares so much about you and he wanted to build relationship with us so desperately that he didn't say, you gotta come where I am because we couldn't get there. He first came where we are. And John says this, so the word became human. So the word became flesh and he made his home among us. Now, again, Jesus has made people a priority. He said, I'm going to go out of my way for you. And I just think for us as people, one of the things that we can learn to do is go out of our way for people. 
If you're always the center of the conversation, if you're always the center, if it's always about you, if it's always my way or the highway, you'll never learn or you'll never grow in favor. You gotta learn to make other people a priority. And what does that look like for us? Well, I think it looks like for us that that's the same way Jesus went to people, you can go to people. Now I'm just gonna talk real today. How many of you in this room have, and I'm not asking you to raise your hands because it'll get awkward quick. How many of you in this room have been invited to an event, invited to a family gathering, invited to a friend's thing? You're like, eh, I'm not gonna go. Man, they live clear over time. They move, man, they're like 20 minutes away now. You know what you said? They're not worth it. In the moment you didn't show up, you lost relational equity. And the moment you walk in the room, oh, come on. The moment you walk in the room, your relational equity goes up. Your favor with people goes up. It's not just going to where they are physically. It's going to where they are conversationally. I've taught this before. One of the greatest skills that you can learn in conversation is if you want to grow in favor with people is quit talking about you. Well, let me show you pictures of my grandkids, which I'm guilty of now because she's amazing and she's beautiful and she's the best thing that God ever made. <laughs> In fact, I have a picture. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some of y'all would be like, he did not. But let me tell you about my new job. And let me tell you about my new car. And I'll tell you about my new fishing boat. And I'll tell you about my last vacation. You can do all of that. But I'm just telling you, if you want to grow in favor, flip the conversation and make it about them. Learn to ask questions. Hey, tell me about what you do again. Tell me about what your kid's been up to. Tell me about that person they married. Tell me. And if you'll ask questions, what they're doing is they're giving you influence because you are gaining favor because you're making the conversation about them and not about you. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus made his entire life on planet earth about people. He left heaven and came to us. He left Nazareth and traveled to them. He made the center of everything about people. And because he made it about people, he grew in favor. And when he got favor, he grew in influence. And when he had influence, he was able to connect people to his heavenly father. Come on, somebody. That's what relationship is about. You can go to people emotionally. You can travel them through empathy. When I say empathy, I mean genuinely care about people. Genuinely, and I'm just telling you, this is something you can't fake. If you ain't good at this, you can work on it, but you can't fake it. Genuinely care about situations people are going through. And if you'll go to people physically, if you'll go to people conversationally, if you'll go to people emotionally, you'll find it starts opening the door that people will like you more. And the more they like you, the more you can lead them. Now, if you're here right away and you're not a people person, where's all my introverts at? We got more. Y'all won't even raise your hands. <laughs> like, I ain't even raising my hand. Lawrenceburg, Shoals, how many of y'all are introverts? Come on, raise your hand if you feel like, like just the idea of going to people, it's giving you like cold sweats. You know, there's been conversations, uh, social experts have actually leaned into the gospels trying to decide, was Jesus an extrovert or an introvert? I mean, Jesus was fully human. He had a personality. Our assumption is that Jesus was an extrovert because he traveled around. Well, just as much as Jesus traveled around, you know, Jesus had a lot of personal quiet time. He would go hang out with the crowds and then he would say, y'all are driving me crazy. <laughs> and he would go spend time alone with the father. And so people are divided. Was Jesus an extrovert or an introvert? The point is this, it doesn't matter. You can say he was an introvert. Jesus still stepped, out of, stepped outside of what life was about for him and made people a priority. And Jesus grew in favor with men. The second thing Jesus did, the second thing Jesus did to build relational equity and to grow in favor with people, number two was Jesus spoke life. Everybody say speak life. 
listen to this. This is, this is so cool. Verse 23, again, in a day in the life of Jesus, it says that he was teaching in the synagogues. Everybody read this next part with me. And announcing what? The good news. Everybody shout good news. Now think about Jesus. Jesus knew he knew everything there is to know about you. The Bible tells us over and over that Jesus knew the thoughts and hearts of the people he was taught. He knew the stuff you're thinking about. He knew the stuff you was going to say. He knew the stuff you did say. He knew where you was at last night. He knew what you was doing last night. Come on, somebody. Like Jesus, Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. Jesus knows all there is to know, which means if he got a group of people in the room, it could have went south quick. It could have got quiet really easy because Jesus could have said like, hey, so uh, tell me that joke you told your, your boss last. Oh, you can't tell me? Oh, how come you can't? Hey, man, I didn't, I didn't know y'all got married. High five on the marriage. Oh, you didn't get married, but you're sleeping together. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. <laughs> like, think about, think about how sideways the conversations could have gotten if Jesus wanted to get them there. He could have made it awkward quick. He not only had the knowledge, but he had the right. But instead, what did his conversations look like? He spoke life. I want you to hear this verse. This is, uh, this is earlier in the ministry of Jesus, Luke 4, 22. Listen to how people describe the conversations of Jesus. And I just wonder, does this describe yours? It says, everyone spoke well of him. This is Luke 4, 22. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. Are people amazed by the gracious words that come from your lips? Let me just ask, let's just make this really practical. Do you want to hang around people? Do you want people in your life who are negative or who are positive? Do you want people who are tearing you down or lifting you up? Like, I mean, man, the, the answer is really easy. We all know like, yeah, that's, that's what I want in my life. Well, if you want that in your life, it, it's, in, it's because like, that's what you know builds you up. That's what other people want in their life too. Here's the way Paul says it in Ephesians chapter four. Listen to this. He says, don't use foul or abusive language which some of you would get really quiet really quick. Not you, second service. Not you, Lawrenceburg. We're talking about Shoals Campus. <laughs> Anybody remember when their mama said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, and you got silent? I just, I ain't got nothing then. Come on, read it with me. Don't use foul or abusive language. Come on, every voice. Let everything you say be and so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Notice not just the quality of the words, but the direction of the words. It's not just the quality of encouragement, but the words aren't about you. The words are about them. And so he says, not just part of your words, not just some of your words, not even the majority of your words. Let all of your words be an encouragement to them. And I'm just telling you, listen, if we would learn, and this is so hard, this is hard for me. I've got a tongue just like you do. It's sometimes hard for me to bridle it just like yours is. But here's what I know is, is if you will put yourself in conversations with people, and if you'll speak life over them, if you'll be an encouragement to them, if you'll build them up. God told the prophet Jeremiah when he was calling them to be a prophet, he said, you need to understand something about the power of your words. You've got the power to plant or the power to uproot. You got the power to, to build up or you got the power to tear 
down. And it's not just in the mouth of a prophet by the name of Jeremiah. That same power is in our tongue as well. Proverbs tells us that we have the power of life and death in our tongue. And if you'll start speaking life and building people up and encouraging them, I'm just telling you, people want that in their life. People want love. People want encouraged. People want elevated. And if you'll be the person to do it, you will grow in favor. And if you grow in favor, you will grow in influence. And if you grow in influence, you can connect them to the thing you're connected to. And I just want you to know this. It's not just in the conversations you're in with the people you're trying to build favor with. This is a fact, and all of us know this is true. Don't be a person in the background that's a gossip and a slander. Because every person, we all know this is true. Have you ever been in a conversation and man, someone is just shredding somebody? And then you have to wonder, I wonder if they shred me when I'm not around. That's right. Front row saying they do. And you know what I found out is true? Because been, I've been guilty of it. They do. And so I'm telling you, like, if, if all of us in this room shows everybody in our campuses, if, if we will just pay attention to our words, how can I use my words today to build up, to encourage, to elevate, to love? What can I do to compliment them? What can I do to encourage them? What can I do to point something out that's going to help them in their journey? The, God's words making it incredibly clear. That's not just an opportunity. That's your obligation. But if you'll use it as an opportunity, you can grow in favor with people. And if you'll grow in favor, you can grow in influence. And if you grow an influence, you can connect them to what you're connected to. Come on, does anybody here want to grow in some favor? Come on, somebody. Watch this. Let me give you number three real quick. This is going to be a tough one. Be generous. Be generous. I want you to notice what Jesus did. Verse 23 says this, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. Now, I know what you're saying. If I could heal every kind of disease and illness, I would do it too. But what I want you to see is Jesus had stuff just like you had stuff. One of the things that Jesus had was Jesus had kingdom authority. He said it over and over again. All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. What he said was, I'm the man. I have authority over storms, over demons, over diseases. I have all authority. But what I want you to see is Jesus didn't keep kingdom influence to himself. Jesus leveraged his kingdom influence for earthly favor. And he healed every kind of disease. The way the Bible says it for us is, watch this, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 18, it says this. I want us to read it together. Giving a gift can open doors and it gives access to important people. If you'll take what you have and leverage it as a gift into people's lives, you grow in favor. Do you like people who give you gifts less or more? Come on, do you like people who give you gifts? Do you like them less or more? More. And do you like people give you more gifts, less or more? More. If you don't give me a Christmas present, doesn't mean I don't like you, but if you give me a Christmas present, your value just went up in my book. Y'all might want to write that one down. Come back to that later at Christmas time. And if one person gets me one gift, another person gets me two gifts, I'm just being real. Maybe y'all aren't human. Do I like the person who got me one gift more or the person who got me two gifts? And you know who I like even more? Person who gets me three gifts. Write that down. I mean, that's just a... That's just a fact. And, and if you're like, well, you're telling me like Jesus is just, he's just using people and he's just using his gifts to get to them. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I'm saying. His heart was not to get here and wow people. The heart of Jesus is to change lives. He said, I'm sold. I'll do whatever it takes. And while he cares about your sickness, 
His goal is not to make you physically well, but spiritually well. And if he has to work a miracle in your body to change your heart, he will do it. And he will take his gifts and be generous with them to leverage it to grow in favor with people. I just want you to know as a church, this is a principle that we are committed to. We give lots of money. We give tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars. We've given millions of dollars over the last whatever years I've been since I've been here to bless missions, to do things all over the world and to do lots of stuff right here in our community that we support nonprofits and we do it because of your generosity, Faith Church, because of everybody who gives in Lawrenceburg and in the Shoals and here in Florence, everybody online, because of your generosity, we are being generous with the gifts we have. Why? Because we wanna build favor so we can have influence. One of the things that we focus on as a church, oftentimes we find ourselves engaged in the education around us. Whether it's loving students, we've given out hundreds of backpacks. We partner with teachers. We provided school supplies. Uh, Last year, at the end of the school year, uh, we gave away thousands of bottles. Uh, You're the bomb water bottles with with stuff on the inside uh, so they could have energy to to, to tolerate your kids. And... And, and we've, provide, we've provided meals for them, meals for teachers, meals for teams, meals for football teams. We've shown up and we've worked at events in, in, in the booths uh, to give other parents a break. We've, and you say, why do you do it? Well, we do it because we, we just want to make an impact. I want to I live in a great community. And if I want to live in a great community, I got to be a great person in the community. It's as simple as that. But let me tell you really why we do it. It's because I have a saying, life happens. You know, when I say life happens, you know what that means? Life happens. Sometimes life isn't good. Sometimes you wake up and you get a phone call you hoped you would never get. And you find out you lost somebody or a doctor calls and God forbid you hear the word cancer and you find yourself in hell. And you know where you're gonna go to? You're gonna go to the people who you realize love you. And so the reason we give as a church, the reason we love our teachers, the reason we support educators, the reason we invest in this community is because we love them. But what we're doing is we're trying to grow in favor with them is they will know that we love them, that when life happens, when a teacher goes through something, when a school district goes through something, we hope they turn to us. Why? So now that we have favor, we have leverage. And now that we have leverage, we can connect them with who we're connected to. Our goal is ultimately to connect people to God and others. Come on, somebody. That's why we're here. If you're saying, Pastor, wait a minute. I don't have the bling like you have. You're talking about hundreds and thousands and millions of dollars. I don't, I've got a barely enough to get a cheeseburger meal after church. Let me tell you, you may not have a lot of money, but I promise you God's given you something that he expects you to steward well. God's given you something that he wants you to use well. There's a, there's a story, Jesus tells this parable, and the parable is this, that there is this business owner that hires a business manager, and the business manager is to manage the business for the business owner. Well, word gets back to the business owner that the business manager is manipulating the numbers. He's maybe pocketing some of the money. He's maybe, we don't really know what's wrong, but he knows he's about to go through a 90-day review. He knows an audit's coming and it's not going to go well. And so he starts to panic and the business owner starts going to all the people that owns money to the business and he starts cutting the bills in half. You owe me $1,000, you only owe me $500. You owe me $10,000, you only owe me $5,000. And the reason he was cutting the bills of the people who owed the business money is because he said this, I'm about to lose my job and I want to have friends. When I get fired, I want to have friends I can go to. So I'm going to use the boss's money to make friends. And you're reading and you're like, oh my gosh, this dude's going to prison for sure. (laughs) Like you think that's what Jesus is going to say. 
and the, and the business owner comes and commends the business manager. And when he's done with the parable, here's what Jesus says. Here's the point he's trying to make. I want you to see this. Watch this. He says this in Luke chapter 10, verse nine, he says this. Here's the lesson. Everybody, y'all read this with me. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and do what? Make friends. What does God want you to do with your earthly resources? I want to get a Gucci. I want to get a Prada. I want to go to the beach one more time. I want to get that new car. There's a new iPhone coming out. Y'all hear this new iPhone coming out? I'm going to get me one of those. I don't know if y'all heard, but Ohio State tickets were the most expensive tickets yesterday. I mean, I, I mean I, I'm just giving a stat. Y'all getting offended, upset already. The average ticket to get to the Ohio State game yesterday, $318. I'm going go to go see the Buckeyes. I'm going to see Alabama. I'm going to see Boar Eagle. Going to see the Vols. We use our resources for us. And there's nothing wrong with you using some of your resources on you. But Jesus said part of the reason, because you're the business manager and he's the business owner, all the stuff you have isn't yours, it's his. You're just managing it on his behalf. He says, part of the reason I've given you stuff, time, money, resources, is because I want you to use it. Why? Because I want you to use it to benefit others and not just you. Why? So you can make friends. Why? So you can grow in favor. Because once you have favor, you have influence. And once you have influence, you can connect them to what you're connected to. Come on, somebody. That's why he's giving you stuff. And if you don't have a lot of money, some of you might have a lot of heart. One of the things uh, my wife and I, we've experienced in ministry, and I was thinking about this, getting ready for this message, is we've been in ministry for a long time. We were youth pastors for about 10 years in several different churches. Now we've pastored two churches for a long time. And God's always brought, especially when we were in youth ministry and even when we first got here, God has brought young students into our lives that were either broken themselves or come from broken homes. And it wasn't the pulpit or the platform of preaching to these young kids, though that's important. What gave us influence with a specific group of people is because we opened up our home. I can name to you about four kids that God brought into our lives. And for about two years, they were in our house as much as our kids. And we bought them school clothes, just like we bought our kids school clothes. And sometimes we bought them Christ a Christmas for just like we bought for our kids. And we just loved them and we spent time with them. And we go out, we're, you're getting a McDonald's cheeseburger because we got our kids. And we just spent time with them. Do you know why? Because we didn't have a lot of money, but we had a lot of heart. And we had a home that we could invite them into. And you may not feel safe at your stepmom's house, but we want you to know you can come and you can feel safe here. And, and we were able to build relationship and connect them with Jesus, not because we preached on platform, but because we grew in favor with their life. So you don't have to have a lot of money. All you gotta do is genuinely care enough about people to involve yourselves in their lives. And if you'll do this, I want you to hear this. If you'll do this, if you'll make them the priority over you, if you'll make them the center of attention instead of you, if you'll speak life, if you'll find things to encourage and uplift in their life, if you'll be generous with whatever resources you have, I want you to notice this. Our possessions give us access to people. Our possessions give us access to people. And once Jesus does these three things, here's what verse 24 says. Watch this shift in momentum. Remember how it started? He started out traveling to people. Watch verse 24. It says, news about him spread as far as Syria and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. Did you notice the momentum shift? He had to go to people. Now people are coming to him. Why? Because he grew in favor. 
Now he didn't have to go looking around the people. People started coming to him. I'm just telling you, at the center of your workplace, at the center of your university, at the center of your class, at the center of your family, you can be a person of favor. And instead of you starting to go to them, you will find people will naturally start coming to you. Growing in favor. And the last one, number four, real quick. This is so important. Is if you're gonna grow in favor, if you're gonna build relational equity, Highlight their potential, not their problems. You know how easy it is to spot problems in people? Man, we have become experts in spotting the problem in people. We can see people's deficiencies. We can see what's wrong with their character. We can see what's wrong with their political affiliations. We can see, like, man, we can just spot the weakness in everybody. But are you so good and so quick at pointing out their potential? I know you can see where they're broken, but can you see where they're whole? Because if you can spot that, that's a game changer. I want you to notice this again, we're almost done. Verse 24 says, and whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, what did Jesus do? He healed them. I want you just to hear me for a minute. All of these people are coming and they're the most broken people in the region. They're people that other people would have said, they're problems. All I see is a problem. But Jesus said, I saw potential. And notice it's not just sick and demon-possessed people. What do I do with those? And epileptic, it's just like the worst of the worst, the most broken of the broken, the marginalized, the outcast were coming to Jesus. But this is why Jesus was called a friend of sinners. See, some of the worst some of the worst titles, some of the worst tags that you could get in first century Middle East where you were a tax collector, you were a leper, or you were a sinner. And for us, we hear those and those are adjectives. That's how we would describe a person. But in first century where Jesus was, it wasn't an adjective, that's your noun. That's who you are, that's all you are. All you are is a sinner. All you are is a leper, that's it. All you are is a tax collector. And nobody likes you. Man, these people came to Jesus. And he understood something, that they were more than their struggle. Their issue wasn't their identity. They were more than that. And we live in a world that is broken and hurting. And there's lots of people that can highlight and point out their problems. But to see past the problem and see the potential. See, I see more in you than that. And if you'll start to speak life over that and encourage that and pray with them for that, I'm just saying, people wanna be around you. I I just wanna take a minute and just honor Pastor Ryan. Pastor Ryan Mauser, our campus pastor in Shoals, he exemplifies this well. People just wanna be around, why? He, He just sees potential in people. And if all of us in this room and all of you in Lawrenceburg and all of you in Shoals, here's what I want you to know, you have an obligation to grow in favor. I'm just giving you four ways to do it. Make people a priority, speak life, be generous, and highlight people's potential and not their problems. At the end of the day, do you know what Jesus did? Jesus just loved people. And that's what we're all called to do. And love leads to leverage. If you love them, you have leverage. And if you have leverage, you can lead them and you can connect them to what you're connected to. So I ask on social media, do you have a favorite? 
Let me ask everybody in this room a question. Lawrence Berg Scholes, I want you to raise a hand. Is there a favorite person in your life? Do you have a favorite? Lift a hand if you do. Is there a favorite person? Now, let me ask you a different question. Are you anybody's favorite? If I was to ask that question, does anybody think of your name? Did just now your face pop in their mind? Because it can. As a church, I mean, the, the, the capital C church, the church, especially in America, do you know why we are losing influence? Because we want to stand up and we want to shout how your morality is wrong. And we want to stand up and shout how you're wrong and you're living this wrong and your politics are wrong. And nobody's listening to the church anymore. Do you know why? Because we think we have a right to speak just because we have truth. And truth isn't enough. You have to have relationship first. And once you have relationship, it opens the door to speak truth. As a church, this whole message is not about you becoming better friends with somebody sitting in your row. It's about tomorrow morning, you walking into your world and you stepping into your campus, you walking into your place of employment and starting to intentionally grow in favor with people. And it may not happen overnight, but if you'll stay diligent like Jesus did, Jesus did it for three and a half years. He was able to lead people to his father because of the investments of favor that he made. Let's be people of favor. Y'all pray with me. Father, God, I pray in the name of Jesus all over this room. God, for me, Lord, I pray help us as we conclude this series to really understand what Jesus did and what we are called to do. We are called to be people who are growing, intentionally growing, growing, growing. And Lord, I pray today as we conclude this, Father, help us to be people who are increasing and growing in relation with God, that we're working, we're putting in the hard work, the effort, the sacrifice to build relationships with people so we can ultimately lead them to you. I pray this week, put someone in our path and bring this message back to our heart that we can do in the moment what we need to do to grow in favor with people. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord for the word?